Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 65. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Buzzy Lee. The musical moniker of Sasha Spielberg released her debut album in January of this year, entitled Spoiled Love. In today's episode, we're talking with Sasha about recording the record with Nicholas Jar, her love of the shins, and Sasha's Australian accent. Here we go. Our guest today is a singer-songwriter and actor based in California. After originally releasing an EP in 2018, she's now released her gorgeous debut record, Spoiled Love. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Sasha from Buzzy Lee. Good evening. How are we? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, Where are you joining us from this evening? I'm in New York City. Beautiful. What's it like there? You know, it's it's hot. It's (laughs) hot and it's a little muggy. Um, No, it's great though. It's really, I hate saying this because it feels very on the nose because I think everyone's saying it, but it's really like, alive (laughs) (laughs) and everyone's saying that it's very the city is alive and that's what everyone's saying but it really is there's such a crazy energy here right now oh god i sound like such a joke (laughs) (laughs) no 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 it um well from what all accounts that i've heard and seen is that now that it's kind of opened back up with the vaccine and everything else is that people are getting out and enjoying the city yeah that's amazing yeah it's really got an energy but that, this again, it's, it's I, I moved here. Um, I mean, I'm still based in LA, but I'm, I'm I'm living here. I moved about like four months ago, and it's been such a shift because I was in Los Angeles, and you're just you really are. And also, this pertains to music too. But you're in your car all day. Yeah. You're um, if you're not driving, you're just sitting. Uh, over quarantine, though, I really pushed myself to walk because of course, and, um, I still walk twice the amount here that I walk in LA. And I, I, I remember thinking that my walks were very, they were like, it was like the odyssey in, in where <laughs> I lived. I felt like I was really on a journey and then it was like 1.7 miles. <laughs> Let's talk about the record. Congratulations on Spoiled Oh, thank Love. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it is a, a beautiful, beautiful record. I know it has been out for a little while now. Um, it is the debut record from yourself. How has it been received? What's it like being out in the world now? Oh my, 
It's been, oh gosh, it's been such a relief. Um, and it's felt very warmly received. I mean, just in turn, I mean, I, I got such kind messages that, um, really were different from, because I keep forgetting it's my debut because I've released a couple EPs and then, you know, I had a band with my brother and we did two records and I don't know, it just feels like it's my fifth record, but it's, I guess it's really as Buzzy Lee, it is by debut. Um, it was really an amazing moment because, uh, I was just at home, um, when it came out and there was not much to do because we were still under pretty strict lockdown. And, um, I just was, I was on my phone all day, but I was receiving, I I felt that people actually really listened to it. And I think my biggest fear was that it would be a 30 second skip to the next song. This one's boring to skip to the next. This one's even worse. You know, I I really thought it was going to be that way, but it felt that people really ingested the album in a way that's been so different for the rest of my, uh, work. Uh, so I just felt really, I don't know. I felt really warm. Um, and I, I couldn't believe anyone really took the time to listen to it because I think I'll, I'll always have imposter syndrome for the rest of my life. And I really felt that people heard it and yeah, it was great. And then I had a, I got, I had sushi <laughs> the day came out. It's great, great day. It's, it's one way, yeah, it's a great way to celebrate. Yeah. Um, the record is, uh, it is gorgeous. It is a very like sparse record as well. I feel that it is one that um, with not to disparage other like music or contemporary music, but I feel like that there's uh, like a lot of bands or artists that have like a lot going on in music and they're almost hitting you over the head with it. Whereas I feel like your record it pulls you in and you really have to, uh, in the loveliest way, I feel like you make the audience do a little bit of work and come to you, which I feel like is a really good payoff. <laughs> Thank you. It's kind of the way I, I feel like this is the way, how I am with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of like, I'm cozy in bed. Do you want to come over? <laughs> That's kind of exactly. That's the feeling yeah. that it kind of evoked when, listening to it. And I, I really enjoyed that because it was it like, it was like I had to work a little bit, but it yeah. the was, was, was really good. Um, you. as you said, these songs have kind of been sitting, not sitting around for a while, but you've been working on this record for a while. I think the album well, the was recorded record, in 2000. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The record was recorded in 2019 and it was recorded over, well, I first got to Nico's and he was living in Turin at the time. And I had just finished a tour in Paris. It was a European tour. And I took the train to Turin. I visited him and I was not planning on making my record with him though. It made so much sense, but he is his own artist and he's on his own timeline. And I, um, had been in sessions with amazing producers, but it it wasn't clicking the way, I don't know. it, It just wasn't clicking. And Nico and I have this really incredible, connection as not just collaborators, but friends. And so he can call me out when I am singing a lyric that makes absolutely no sense because he knows that I can get lazy with my songwriting and I just will place a lyric as a, I mean, I will keep a placeholder. I feel like I'm the master of keeping placeholders and getting attached to them. And even if they make no sense, so he would challenge me a lot, but in a really gentle way and just, 
I, I went to his place. I was playing on the piano. He was cooking or something. And I did, I went into a deep like reverie. It felt on the, with the piano and it, I think it had been 45 minutes. And then he came in and he was like, dinner's ready. And then he pressed the space bar on his computer to end the recording. So he had been recording me the whole time. Then he played me just a section back and the way he had mic'd the piano. I mean, just the way he can put, he can do so little to a song and have it breathe in such a crazy way that I don't understand what he's doing. Um, and I listened back and I said, I have to record my record here with you. And he said, great, that's it. Great. And so I came, we were originally supposed to do it January, the following January after November. So this was November, 2018. We were going to come back and do it January, 2019. And then he was, had his music stuff. So then it kept getting pushed. And then finally it was April we did the first half and then I came back in July and did the second half. And then it was mastered in September and it was ready to go. But of course I was, you know, I, I, it, it, it was then going to come out in March and then COVID. So it was, but that's why, yes, it felt like such a relief when it came out because yes, it has been sitting, it had been sitting for a while. I can imagine for, for yourself, having those songs sitting there and kind of not gestating, but like having them ready and, and it must have been quite a um, quite an interesting feeling to be sitting on them for so long. And then also when COVID hit, be like, great, another setback. I know. It felt like it was never going to come out. And I actually, when I was making the record, I said to myself, if this never comes out, I'll be so happy that I even made it. And yeah. then I was really challenged. <laughs> and then I, I took it back. I was like, what have I done? I've willed this. But um, no, my it was so funny because the record is, you know, lots of songs are about this relationship I was in. And by the end of COVID, he had had a baby. So it, it just so much had happened in his life too, that I had been, I had been in two relationships since him when the record came out. Actually, when the record came out, I was in my third relationship since him. So yeah, it was weird releasing something that felt like it was really a time. I mean, it was a time capsule, but um, yeah. I had to kind of, yeah, I had to sort of release him through the album. It felt like I was holding on to the last dregs of our relationship. It's an incredible album. And it is like, it does sound um, not otherworldly, but it does sound like a time capsule in the sense of that it could be from, uh, like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, like the songs are kind of timeless in, in terms of their arrangement and their Thank you. Um, structure and the way that they're, they're played. The Nico that you referred to is Nicholas Jar. Jar? Yes, Jar. Yes, Jar. Um, who uh, is, is, as you said, an acclaimed artist in his own right, but also worked on a project. I think you're referring to the EPs before uh, Just Friends. Oh yeah, I did that with him too. Yeah, but he did um he did my first EP as Buzzy Lee, so the face face paint EP. Yes. Uh, yeah. That one as well. So how did you guys I think you guys went to college together. Is that how the kind of friendship relationship started? Yeah, we met our first week of freshman year and we started making music together our second week. Um and <laughs> um, didn't muck about. <laughs> 
So exactly. <laughs> Waste no time. I think when you're also a freshman, you're taking out, you're taking on so much. You're like, I'll take this class and this class and this class <laughs> and make this music and be this person. I think you're figuring it out, but I'm so happy this stuck. It, um, when you first started making music, because I think it was, uh, you mentioned your brother before, uh, you had a, a band with him uh, in the group Bordell. What was your first memory of making music and starting music and doing all of it, uh, like working out that, the, that you could be or wanted to be a musician? Oh, gosh. I think that started when I was four. Uh, like I just was always singing. Um and, and, and also making my parents film me, which is so disgusting. <laughs> but I, I mean, I was just, I was a monster. I was an egomaniac at four. Um, you know, I would have them film me and I would perform for them. And um, I would then start, you know, I, I wrote, actually, I just, I did this tiny desk and it was one part of the at home series. And I did it in my childhood bathroom where I would write, a bunch of songs, acapella, I might add, and I would listen to music. Um, and I, it just, the acoustics made me sound like I was on American Idol in my head. So I just rolled with it and, and rolled and wrote a bunch of songs in that bathroom. And then, um, you know, I took singing lessons when I, but I didn't, I was quite bored. And then I took piano lessons and I was bored. So I really loved, um, self-starting. Like I really loved, whenever I just, uh, I, I didn't like instructors. I didn't, I like to just, um, do it as, you know, make music as I please. Um, and then I think, God, when was, I mean, I was in the musicals in seventh grade and I kind of continued to be in the plays and musicals because I thought I wanted to act, but really I just, I wanted to sing. I just used acting as a conduit. You know, I just, I, it was an excuse to sing because I had terrible stage fright, but really my bot, I mean, this is so cheesy, but my bot mitzvah was my coming out party in terms of singing. Cause my parents had no idea that I could sing. And I was so focused on getting the Hebrew right that I was just letting my voice carry. And I think, I think it was my best performance. <laughs> I think it was a great performance, but my parents, I think were very shocked and they, they had no idea. And then I think they started taking me more seriously as a 13 year old, you know, whatever artist. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I always, you know, I just had stage fright though. Um, and I think I really wanted to sing like, you know, the pop stars. I wanted to belt. I wanted to be able to belt. I was obsessed with Whitney Houston and Christina Aguilera and I wanted to sing like they did. I just wanted to do the riffs and runs and I wanted to belt yeah. and not have my voice crack. And I couldn't get there, but what I could do was sing in a falsetto. And that's what I did for my bat mitzvah. But I personally didn't like the sound of that. I was just doing it again to get the Hebrew across. And then later that night, a family friend came up to me and was like, have you heard of Joni Mitchell? And I hadn't which is embarrassing, but I know I, I kind of have, but I hadn't. At and that then time, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm hard <laughs> on myself. Um, and he, he got me a Joni Mitchell record, got me blue. And I, there was the first time I had heard someone singing the way I kind of sang naturally. And it took me out of my obsession with belting and I started actually singing softer. Um, but that all changed when I 
joined a band with my brother, then I felt that I had to sing over the band. And so I was back to belting. And then Nico brought out the really intimate, soft. I mean, I, I feel like I barely sing when I'm with Nico. I feel like he puts me up really close to the microphone and I barely sing on this record. I feel like that's almost, uh, if you can get the, um, if you can get the, the, I hate to say the product, but like the, get the results, I guess, of, of that from not a lot of effort or from being quite close, that's incredible because obviously, um, sometimes, and I do understand what you're saying when, when you're a kid, I think, um, full, like being truthful here, when I was like a kid, I wanted to sing like um, the band Savage Garden. I don't know if you remember the Australian band. Yes, Savage are you Garden. kidding? I love Savage Garden. Yeah. That's awesome. and, <laughs> and, but then yeah, as you get older, obviously you learn different bits and pieces, but it is, it's about finding that, um, I guess, what, what you do and not what other people do. Yeah. And by the way, I still struggle with it. I still constantly am comparing and thinking I need to be this way. And this, you know, it, it never leaves you. Yeah. No, no. There's always a little part in your mind that is like, I'd love to do that, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think you're doing a very uh, good job of being you, if that makes Thank sense. Thank you. <laughs> great. That's great. It's a great compliment. With uh, the record, uh, there are some beautiful instrumental tracks as well, which I'm curious about when you kind of sit down to, to make music, do you usually come up with the melody or arrangement first and then work on lyrics? Yes. All lyrics are always last. Uh, I've tried writing lyrics first and then putting a melody to them, but it's really hard. Uh, it's really hard for me. I have to have, I actually find though not to, cause it does seem like a cop out, but I do find that sometimes my favorite lyrics are the ones that do come to me through just making sounds through melodies with my, you know, having words come up when I'm not focused on words. It's like how I wasn't focused on the Hebrew, my voice could carry. Um, and this, in this, you know, when I write, I am focused on melody that words just kind of place themselves in the melody. And then I'm only retrospectively or when I'm listening back, I hear the lyric and then I go, Oh my God, it just, it really does because it is so, um, subconscious always I, I find. Is there anything that kind of jumps out to you when you are, um, songwriting or creating that, I, that as, as inspiration, like, do you find that you can be off doing other things and have inspiration that way? Or is it something that you usually are in the zone and you're creating and that's when the kind of the best stuff, the good stuff hits? I think it's, ah, gosh, I think what happens is I seek out um, adventure with the people that I'm, you know, attached to at the time. And I, you know, for this record, I was, I was dating someone who also sought out you know, he wanted to live in the, he wanted to live in a, a coastal town that was off the beat. You know, he, he wanted to live off the grid and he didn't want to see anyone. He just wanted to make his art. And then he wanted to have like 17 dogs and have old cars or collect old cars. And, um, he found so much beauty in the, un, or not the, unknown, or I guess the, 
I mean, yeah, the unknown. And I followed him and I sort of pretended to be this person that I wasn't because I found him to be so, I wanted to be exactly like him because in my mind, I'm so hard on myself. I was in this routine of like getting, you know, drinking matcha in the morning and going to Pilates. And it felt very (laughs) like, it just wasn't, you know, inspiring. So he would take me to these towns that he had discovered while he was touring and we would go to bars and, and talk to everyone and, and take and say yes to everything. So we'd end up at someone's house who lived off, you know, in, in the mountains. You know, it's just, we always, it was such an adventure. And so I gathered up so much, I was so inspired during that time, but I wasn't writing music. It wasn't until again, cause I'm so nostalgic. I find so much inspiration in nostalgia. So what I will do is I will then take all those memories. And then once I'm in the zone, that's when they come back up. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. But I feel like I, I counted as doing research, sort of, <laughs> for myself. <laughs> no, I can appreciate that. It doesn't have to be. You almost take yourself out of the moment if you're having those adventures and then being like, sorry, let me just quickly write this song about this <laughs> John moment in time. But that's what he did, though. And I was so in awe of the way he wrote music. He's very he's very talented. And he he would have moments like that where he would write down in his little notebook moments. And I would just, I feel like I just took pictures <laughs> and then go back and look. I think that's also a very good way to do it. And sometimes with no disrespect to him, sometimes I feel like it's like, I hate, not I hate people like that, but do you know when there's someone who can do it and you're like, why, why are you doing this in front of me? Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Shush, shush. It's like the sun makes its way down. And you're just like, can we get get dinner? I'm a little hungry. He's like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like, um, yeah, a very interesting character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can listen to, to every song about him. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to um discuss uh some of I guess your influences as you were um, like growing up or in music. Um I'm not sure if you can see behind me, but I've um put yeah, the Garden State. How did you, you know recently? I was gonna talk about Garden State? I just I I try and do my research. I try. <laughs> What else do you have behind you? um, I know that you also were a big fan of Blonde by Frank Ocean. I loved Blonde. And then um, the other two, look, I didn't have, uh, I did do my research, but I didn't have records for the other ones that I found. So that's 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 on me. 
I need to look. Don't worry. Um, the the shins carrying is creepy. You recently covered. An honor. I was so my thirteen year old self when I was asked to do that. I I don't even know. I just wish I could time travel <laughs> back to the Shins concert at the Fonda Theater in Los Angeles, two thousand and three. I felt so alone and insecure and I wanted to time travel and tell her that she would soon be covering caring is creepy for the shins <laughs> asked by the shins. <laughs> that would have been or the time travel itself would have been incredible, but obviously oh that God. kind of knowledge would have been um quite an interesting thing to be able to talk to yourself about. I know that you've said that um, to, to quote the movie that this song did kind of change your life. Uh, are you able to tell us in, in what way or how it changed your life? Oh my gosh. I, well, so I had my tr- music trajectory or my taste in music had gone from Christina Aguilera to the velvet underground to all classic <laughs> rock. It was only classic rock until my brother started introducing me to indie music. So this is like 2004 and that included the shins. And I remember I think the first song he played me was, uh, it wasn't caring is creepy. It was, um, new, must've been new slang. Uh, and I remember thinking the melodies were so topsy turvy and in a way that I hadn't ever experienced. Uh, I found that his, his voice was actually reminiscent almost. I knew I was obsessed with Led Zeppelin. So it was a nice, um, it just was a natural, but but he had the weird minor notes and it, it, there was just his yeah. songwriting style. And also cramming that amount of lyrics into a song. <laughs> I was, when I was, when I was covering caring as creepy, I could not believe how many lyrics there were. I had never thought of that because I think it is so cohesive and the way the song, I mean, it was, it almost sounded, it really sounded so effortless. And so I then, that was my introduction to live shows and seeing indie bands and then, um, getting into that. So then I was, became like kind of a, an indie follower. You know, I was like, I was, I was wearing my American apparel, which was such a, you know, I was in Los Angeles and it was kind of this time of Cobra snake. I don't know if you remember, there was this photographer who went to parties and yeah photograph them. And, uh, I always wanted to be on it, but I didn't feel like I was cool enough, but I'd go to these concerts and I see him in the corner of my eye and I kind of like adjust my hair and hope in hopes that he would think I was like his next muse and so beautiful. And he took a photo and I went on the website the next Monday. I think he uploaded like Sunday. I went on Monday and I was like, Oh my God, it's my moment. It's my moment. And I go on and I just see my arm is the only thing that made it in to the photo. But again, back to music. It was this time of going to all ages venues and in, in following blogs like Captain Obvious and my old Kentucky blog. And I was such a blog follower that I then got into the yeah, indie, indie music scene, which is where so many women, it because all I had was classic rock and that time was done. And then before that I had pop music and I didn't sing like any pop singer. So indie world and female musicians like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, I was so happy to hear voices that I think, you know, I could one day emulate or, or have my own voice. 
that was as gritty, or maybe I didn't hit all the notes, but it still evoked something. And then I, you know, I became obsessed with the way men sang in indie bands. I was obsessed with Julian Casablanca's voice. So I kind of tried to emulate his. And then finally in ninth grade, I discovered Fiona Apple. And then of course that changed, you know, that was jazz infused. And so, yeah. I feel like Fiona Apple is like a whole different gateway to a whole different thing, especially when you've come, as you said, classic rock pop, and then even indie, indie is fantastic. And then Fiona Apple is just a whole other branch. Exactly. Branch right up. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, Garden State and the Shins in the context of the movie as well. Um, I didn't want to make the the interview about this. I do want to very quickly mention that, uh, like your background, you've mentioned your father a few times in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is Steven Spielberg, the the film director. He is. He I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Wait, what? Wait, no. That wasn't on my 23andMe. This is the worst way to possibly tell someone. Can you imagine? They broke it to yes. me through a podcast. <laughs> yes, he is, though. Yes. The um, I imagine that you would have grown up around musical scores, um, like music in movies. What importance do you think music plays whether it be like the shins or um i'm trying to think of some other songs off the soundtrack like thievery corporation Mm -hmm. um, or even death cab iron and wine um or if it's orchestral scores what importance do you think they play in film oh my god you can't have a film without the score it's impossible it wouldn't be i mean even jaws the the score actually really comes before the i mean that score is ubiquitously no. If you hear it, it's it's a it's a punchline. It's a uh, you know it's it, it's so canonical in its own form. You cannot have movies. I mean, the scores to me are maybe the most uh, important part. I was so inspired by scores, movie scores. Um, it's all my dad would play in carpool. So he would drive me and my brothers to school, and he would play. Um, Guns of Navarone, that opening monologue into the score. And then he'd play, um, God, I mean, he played, he showed us Westerns and he loves Western scores. And I feel like that obviously was infused into Strange Town a bit because I, I started writing, Strange Town first began with the um, piano part. And just like my other instrumental songs, it was going to just be that. Then I just started singing the instrumental. And I feel like I'm so inspired by movements in that way. Um, no, scores are the most important. <laughs> I feel that uh, obviously big orchestral scores, and as you said, like stuff like Jaws, that is incredible and it's canonical. The music that, um, that like maybe indie music that features in, in film uh, can also, one, really kind of make a moment hit home, whatever, uh, uh, like if that makes sense and that it might just make that a little bit closer, a little bit more um, almost nostalgic in a way. Definitely. And it's a needle drop moment. Isn't yes, that what exactly. they're called? And it's, yeah, it's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> it's it's just a lot of directors make such Scorsese. They make such good use of 
oh my gosh, songs and rather than score, they, I mean, they really take artists and place them and it's a perfect, I mean, how many times have you, it's now become almost a joke where it's like, this is going to change your life. And then that song comes on and, and that, you know, it, it's become a, because that movie is, it was so important to me when I was 13. And then you watch it as an adult and my heart kind of breaks for my 13 year old self. Cause it just, it doesn't, it's not the same experience that obviously. It is not the same when you watch it back as a, yeah. In, in your thirties, I found that out. Uh, very different. Yeah. <laughs> soon they're just like standing. You know, I remember that scene to me being so profound when they're all standing and screaming. And now yeah. I can't, I can't watch it. <laughs> no, it I, it's a, a great yeah, movie, it's... by the way. Please let it be known. It's a great movie. I just, <laughs> it makes me embarrassed for my younger self that I was so profoundly affected by that scene. Oh, no, I, I definitely get that. I think that mine uh, was when they're in the pool when Zach Braff and Allie Portman are in the pool and talking about it. And at the time, yeah, I thought, oh, this is being an adult. And now I watch it, I'm like, that's, that is not, but that's okay. Um, uh, Sasha, as we said earlier, the, the, the record was like recorded and, and planned for a lot earlier. Can, can we expect um, a second record sometime soon? Yes, I'm over halfway done. Oh, that's very exciting. I think hopefully next year in 2022. That's very exciting. We'll definitely keep an eye on it. Yeah. Cause I think I actually tend to move really fast, but when I'm working with other, you know, if I'm, I, there is a lot of, you know, if it, if it takes so many, it takes more than I, I don't know how to produce. I could not sit at a computer and know how to work compression. And, you know, I mean, I have a character gearhead, who is Australian, who yeah. that I do on my Instagram. <laughs> I, I was going to touch on this right at the end, but um, just as a side note, you do an incredible Australian accent. That is the nicest thing anyone, that honestly means more to me than my album, than you saying my album is great. <laughs> <laughs> it so was, nice. for a second, I thought it was a recording that you were thinking, like lip syncing to, but no, it is in terms of, uh, yeah, it, it's quite good. <laughs> No, I know it's a little, it's a little more kiwi. It's like, it's got a kiwi. It's got like a, it's got a hint of kiwi. But like, I've also got to practice it a little more before I, before I go on the show, because I have to like start every time I do gearhead on Twitch, because I have a show, I have to talk for like 30 minutes before, because it's hard to, it's, it's hard. It gets hard. It's hard to slip in and out. (laughs) It's, it's the little nuances, see? Like, it's it's not... I feel like people go straight to, like, G'day and whatever else. It's just, like, the little nasal um, sounds, but it's... Thank I think you so much. Honorary Australian right in front of us. Oh, my God, us. that is the highest honour, highest. <laughs> <laughs> um, lastly, we would usually uh, ask, I guess, what are they currently listening to? If there's like a record at the moment that you're loving, or if there's anything that's getting yeah, a massive spin. So a massive, massive spin. So I am, and I, I'm sure you are too. I feel we are both of this shuffle generation where I listen to everything on shuffle and it's because the iPod came out. I mean, shuffle came out when we were probably listening to so much new music. And yeah. so I find that, my taste is so consistently shuffled 
And I can be listening to Ariana Grande one second and then Alice Coltrane the next. And it's very, very shuffled. But I will tell you right now what I'm listening to because this is, I have to look on my latest playlist because I don't remember sometimes. (laughs) Um, I... Oh, God. See, I'm looking at it now, and it's like there's there are no full records, which is actually quite upsetting. It's just shuffle. It's it goes from this song called "Time" by Otis the Third to "Summer" by Calvin Harris to <laughs> "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" Elton to "Southern Sunset" by Brick, and then it goes to. 1942. Jeezy. I mean, it's, 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 this is insane. And then it's hollowing out and cool, cool in the game. Gang, always cool in the gang. It's covering a bit of ground. But then, yeah, ending it with cool in the gang is, um, well, it's a classic. You have to. You have to end with cool in the gang. And I'm sure you can right. guess which song because Summer Madness, because we were in summer. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but I do love being part of this shuffle generation. It is great. I I get so much from it, and I have no shame. But in terms of like actual full albums, um, oh my gosh, am I not contributing to the music industry in a way that I should be? <laughs> Do I not listen to albums? No, of course I do. I'll I'll have it. I'll have a think on that because I've got to like I've got to really look. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very fair. I just to touch on what you said. I think um this shuffle generation thing has definitely made us appreciate more um like more genres. If that makes sense, I feel like there's less like just R and B people or just indie people. I feel like that more and more. As you said, going from Coltrane to Ariana Grande, Hall and Oates mm. to Joni Mitchell, it, it, but that's mm. good. You get to take in a bit of everything. Yeah, it is. But then I find this is why I was so worried about my record because it's a real sit down and focus record. And I think part of the problem with shuffled stuff is that it's I have I get so distracted and I need to go to the next because I know there's there's so many. I actually was talking about this with someone. I noticed that when I'm listening to a playlist and I'll listen to 30 seconds of a song, I'll be really excited and then I'll need to go to the next. But if that same song comes up on the radio, I'll listen all the way through. And I don't know if you have a similar, I think when songs happen to come up on the radio and it's, even if it's a song that I've heard so many times and that normally I'd skip over, there's something about, it being fed to you rather than you having had you having curated something. And that's why also COVID there was, you know, I wasn't in my car much, so there was no radio and um, it was just shuffle. So I really got to know my library, but it is, there is something to be said about having music fed to you rather than, you know, uh, I keep wanting to say swipe. Oh God. I was going to say swiping through. No, I was shuffling through playlists that you've already made. Do you think, do you think it's almost like, um, like we've been talking about Garden State, how she's, um, oh my God, I can't remember Natalie Portman's character. I feel terrible. Um, um, you're, when she's like, you're, uh, uh, what's her name? Her name is, um, 
you're in it, aren't you? You know, when she does that, you're in it. (laughs) What is her name? (laughs) Is it Sam? Sam, that's it. Sam. Genius. Um, when When she does say like this band is going to change your life. Do you think it's that thing of someone, like if you come across it and you're curating it and you've got the power to be like, no, skip. But if someone instructs you or someone forces you to play it, it's that kind of thing that you're like, okay, I'll give it my full attention. That's such a good, it's funny. That's, that's a, that's so true. I also find that if someone's kind of more forced, like I'll notice my mom, my mom loves music and new music and she will send me so much music and (laughs) ask me throughout the day if I've listened. And to be honest, I never listen because it's almost being forced onto me. So the radio feels like a gentle nudge, whereas my mom feels full force, throw you down a mountain. Just go. <laughs> this is a black diamond. You don't ski. Go. Um, but the radio is much more. Um, yeah, the radio is j- gentler. And so, yes and no. But yes, I do think that's really true. I feel like the radio. Um, you've built a relationship with the radio where they're a friend. Whereas parents, you're always yeah. there's like a weird inbuilt thing that you're always going to somewhat push back on what parents. It's just a parent thing, of I believe. Because again, I talk about my dad playing film scores. What a great, again, in retrospect, amazing. Love those film scores. In actuality, at the time, I'm nine years old and all my friends are listening to Britney and my dad's rolling up with like a monologue. You know, I I used to have him drop me off at the corner. So I feel very bad, but I, yeah, I, I, I now appreciate it. I'm sure that if anything, he can just claim that that was at the time influencing Buzzy. So it's all like a kind of, he would love that. (laughs) Sasha, thank you very much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank thank you. Have such a good day. (laughs) Thank you you again. Sorry, I won't stop. that's our show a massive thank you to sasha for her time spoiled love is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy a copy of the vinyl we also want to give a huge shout out to katie and harry at future classic for helping out with today's interview you can find a link to our spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests picks if you like this show please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released we release new shows each thursday and friday morning guest playlist streaming on spotify at the same time you can follow the playlist profile on spotify you can follow us on instagram facebook and tiktok until next week cheers Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.